Perform this on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. If you hear yourself saying, feels pretty good to see somebody rub their nose in it, you may be addicted to outrage. We've expressed our outrage at everyone and everything that is different. Every thumbs up is like a dopamine surge and every retweet is a serotonin hit. In my new book, Addicted to Outrage, we bring clarity to this addiction. If enough of us can just drop our anger and outrage, we might just stand a chance to heal ourselves. Addicted to Outrage by Glenn Beck. Pre-order now at glennbeck.com slash addicted to outrage. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. Week to week, your faithful American Muslim correspondent, radio host, podcast host. I bring you conversations about the things that you just won't hear on mainstream media, you won't hear in popular culture about the issues that I believe are threatening security more than we ever have seen and is the greatest threat to domestic tranquility, to global security for those who seek freedom, for those who seek liberty, and that is political Islam. That is the theocrats of the Islamic community and their militant offshoots. And if we don't address it here in the land of liberty, it will not be addressed. Reform This is my effort to address that, is my effort to educate all of you and share with you some of the thoughts that go through the mind of the priorities that we should have as put forth by an American Muslim, somebody whose family came to this country, escaped persecution, tyranny of Syria, and what's happening there. A lot to talk about this week. I want to talk to you a little bit briefly about the impending massacre in Idlib, the process as we've seen primaries happening across the country in the next few weeks, and what are some thoughts about American Muslims, about the Muslim community and faith and religion during this political time, as especially in a program that looks to separate mosque and state? What's the relevance? Next, the the crisis, the the crimes against humanity that are happening in China against millions of Muslims. And believe it or not, yes, another update from New Mexico. Another update that's even more horrifying than the weeks before. And last, Iranians that want to come to America in this country in which travel has been banned are finding ways to do that. And we'll talk about how they're doing that. First, I want to talk to you about Syria and Idlib. It amazes me that this this story is not being covered. We've talked about it here before, but now we've seen Russian ships beginning to line up outside the coast of Syria, near their port of Tartus, but making a statement that the United States basically is not going to interfere in what's happening. They're already sending out the Russian bots on Twitter, on Facebook, and elsewhere, basically saying that who's going to commit chemical weapons acts? They've identified the white helmets as being the source, and that hasn't even happened yet. And yet they're saying, if you hear about it in the coming few days and weeks, that it must be the white helmets. Now, I've talked to you about the white helmets before. 
the only remaining the only remaining folks that are still willing to drag bodies to their families so they can be appropriately buried to drag folks with barely breaths of life remaining out of rubble to help them get to help to underground hospitals hospitals that nobody knows where they are because if they knew the government would bomb them and flatten them to the ground as the Assad regime and its military killing machine continues to try to commit more crimes against humanity. Is this to say that the White Helmets don't have a few bad actors? I'm sure they do. But uh, to dismiss the acknowledgments of human rights organizations across the planet, to dismiss the acknowledgement of Syrian Americans, of Syrians that are reporting on the ground, showing footage of, of the work that the White Helmets are doing, and to say that somehow if a chemical weapon attack occurs, it must be coming from the White Helmets. They are the source of it. I've seen members of Congress from across the country say that that's a possibility of the last chemical weapons attacks that have been cited, that it may have been the White Helmets that did it. They had access. In today's world, who would have thought? Who would have thought in 2018 we would be having conversations even more hysterical about truth than we did in the 70s and 80s when the same Baathist tyranny was wiping out towns and all we had was two paragraphs in Newsweek to use for our information. And yet that information, as as monolithic as it was from the left media, and we saw so many people now start to expose the bias in that media, still some facts that were being reported on the ground in wars, a lot of it was true some of it was false we've seen this in the vietnam war and elsewhere but at the end of the day today it's even harder because the clicks the the conspiracy theories are are, are drowning out the reality brings me back to idlib idlib is not a small town it's a moderate sized large town in syria the largest towns being aleppo of four million and damascus a little under that size the entire country of Syria is 21 million, 10 million displaced. Idlib supposedly is the last stronghold of the jihadis, and some of that is true. It is uh, appears to be true that many of the last groups of jihadi cells have gone into neighborhoods of Idlib for protection. And those folks protecting them are committing crimes. And they are likely Islamists, ideologically. But the vast majority of the neighborhoods in Idlib are not protecting ISIS, jihadis, Jabhat al-Nusra, or otherwise. Idlib was one of the primary centers that started the revolution that began in Dara and then spread to other small towns and larger towns into Idlib and Hama, Homs, and elsewhere. And now... Idlib is going to be seen as one of the final frontiers of the last kinetic elements of the war because Assad wants to exact a final punishment upon that remaining stronghold. And because of the jihadists that are there, they are going to use it. There are many alarms going off by human rights organizations around the world that are begging the world begging the world to pay attention to what's happening. So what I wanted to ask you today, 
if you're as you listen to this just ask reporters just ask reporters to report on it get the truth out of what's happening report on idlib before it happens be there there are people covering this from marco rubio to se cup to other journalists and cnn and fox fox news has been talking about this but it's still a trickle if we put enough lights onto what's happening in idlib the reality of what the assad regime wants to do will come out russian media that's been attacking me on twitter and elsewhere has been saying oh who do you want to believe russian media or do you want to believe the american islamic forum for democracy the organization that i run basically not even giving an answer they're saying that i must be radical because i'm a muslim that's the intimation that's how social media bots from the russians work pay attention to what's happening in idlib demand that the media report on it demand that we not allow another another string of genocidal crimes to happen against the people of idlib Yes, the jihadis need to come to justice, but so do the, the war criminals of the Assad regime need to be brought to justice. If they use chemical weapons, I hope our military sees it and has the Assad regime pay another price for it. But don't let these crimes against humanity happen unnoticed or just a little footnote on the ticker on the bottom of the Chiron on the bottom of the screen or three minutes in an hour of otherwise obsessed com uh, uh, Trump derangement syndrome nonsense that's on hour after hour after hour now into the second year of the Trump presidency. And yet all of this news is happening around the world and nobody's paying attention to it. When we come back, I'm going to talk to you about China, what's happening to Muslims in China and how how much there is to learn about the approach to radical Islam, about the approach to Muslims, about religious freedom to the Uyghur Muslims. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. The Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray. Keith has become obsessed. Oh, I'm totally obsessed. With the shark. Yep, he's so the shark. You know he's listening to the show, so he knows you're talking about him every day, okay? <laughs> you have to assume he has either an Apple iPhone or an Android, or somehow he's listening mm -hmm. to the program, but how is he charging his battery at sea? I don't know. Eels? Electric eels. Pat Gray. Weekdays, noon to 3 Eastern, only on the Blaze Radio Network. the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. We're always talking about reform. We're always talking about modernization of thought, how the medieval interpretations of the vast majority of leaders of the Muslim world need to be dismissed, need to be marginalized, need to be updated with a enlightened interpretation with one that separates mosque and state with one that is based in modernity and yet it gets harder 
you know, I, I am one that has long said that the Muslim community needs tough love, that the Muslim community needs to be treated with equality and respect and not coddled like a pet that you tolerate belligerence from or that you tolerate odd behavior from, that we treat my fellow Muslims with a tough love that if they can't own up to what's in the Sharia, the vast majority of the Sharia, that's uh, Islamic law that's incompatible with modernity, then they are true believers and they are a threat as a separationist movement within the U.S. constitutional framework. But if they own up to it and say that we have a lot of hard work to do, then they're part of the solution. But obviously I say these things being blessed with parents that came to the United States and lived and allowed me to be born and grow up in a country that has a laboratory that I can do this work in. So if you grew up in a country like China or Russia or Syria or Saudi Arabia in which each of them has their own forms of harsh militant tyranny, you can't do the work of free thought, of inquiry, that needs to be done in order to reform Islam. Look at what's happening in Turkey. As the Islamists get control, reformation becomes impossible. So when you ask where are the voices of moderate Islam, they are at, at the bottom of the boots in the prisons of Erdogan's Turkey, of Salman's Saudi Arabia, of Assad's Syria. But let's turn to China for a second. One million Muslims are being held, if not more, in Chinese internment camps, according to estimates cited by many human rights organizations, U.S. officials, and even the U.N. Former inmates, most of whom are Uyghurs. The Uyghurs are a cultural ethnicity of Muslims that live in western China. There's about 15, 20 million of them, a, a Muslim ethnic minority that they're part of a indoctrination process in these camps that lasts months. And they're put in there because it is perceived by the Chinese government that believing in Islam is equivalent to a psychiatric illness. So just as you would admit a patient with bipolar disease who is unable to fit with the mores of society into a locked ward, these one million, what is thought to be one of the largest, if not the largest single camps on the planet. They're being put in for months to years, forced to renounce Islam, criticize their own Islamic beliefs, follow fellow inmates into reciting the Communist Party propaganda songs for hours and hours, each day after day and week after week and month after month. The horrors are unbelievable. What else do they do? They force them to eat in Ramadan. They force them to eat pork. They're fed pork chops and bacon strips. I, I'm not making this up. They force them to drink beer, alcohol. And they're tortured if they don't. The scale is unbelievable. Wall Street Journal noted, as did The Atlantic, in a, a report by Segal Samuel, that... The numbers have doubled in just the last year. And the Chinese government obviously says this is what they're doing to fight radical Islam, to fight terrorism. It's the old Arab dictator playbook 101. Legitimize mass incarceration, torture, genocide, war crimes. Legitimize it by saying you're fighting terrorism. Exaggerating the threat of terror. Taking away the freedom from all in order to defeat splinter groups. And yet, 
actually that has has anyone heard of radical islamist bombs going off suicide bombs in china I, maybe it's not reported i'm not saying it doesn't exist it may if there's anything that would radicalize muslims it is that uh, certainly that uh, has been radicalizing them i'm sure but i yet have not heard and some would say, well, then that would justify them doing it. I mean, can you believe somebody would say that? But that is something of what I've heard on this in the, some of the horrific conversations that exist on social media. That's what should be done to them, they say. If that's where you're getting, we're talking about a quarter of the world's population. This is not a solution to modernize. Western modernization, yes, there were bloody wars, but those were internal wars. Within the Christian population, the Thirty Years' War that ultimately led to Enlightenment and Reformation. But if you had other faiths attacking Christians, it would have hunkered down the concept of the need for the Christian state and Christian soldiers, and the separation of church and state would have not evolved. So, if your goal is democratization of defeat, as my goal is, which is the defeat of Islamists ideologically, their marginalization and the and the pushing of their ideas into the dustbin of history. That will only happen when there's a laboratory for those ideas. How about the West pay attention to what's happening to the Uyghurs in China? How about that? It'll it, it will show that we're not just about paying attention to Muslims when they their radical ISIS elements are committing the acts of horror. But how about when the horrors are being done to Muslims? I was on the U.S. Commission on Religious Freedom. Every year, China was listed as one of the countries of particular concern, or the CPC countries. And we highlighted many of these crimes that were done, and they're now increasing at an exponential rate. I call upon human rights organizations, media corporations, government officials, politicians, our State Department, our DOD, to begin to highlight as it talks about the threat of China and as we talk about the need for trade uh, uh, balancing as uh, uh, the imbalance, as President Trump has appropriately talked about. And we see Senator Rubio especially quite articulate about what's happening in China with their thievery of our technology, their thievery of our data, and the threat that they pose on almost every level globally. Why don't we also highlight what's happening, what is happening to the Muslims in China, the millions that are in camps. They see religious belief as a pathology, said James Mil Millward, a professor of Chinese history at Georgetown University. He said that religion fuels extremism and separatism according to the Chinese and it can with radical Islam certainly that's why I talk about the need for reform but now they're doing anti-Islamic teaching through re-education camps hospitals meant to cure their thinking there's a lot of work to do it's not going to change on its own lady and gentlemen and I hope we can learn that tyranny is not a method. I've talked to you about Tajikistan. Tajikistan approach to Salafis. Salafism is the fundamentalist black and white interpretation of Islam. Yes, many of the ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Jabhat al-Nusra, 
Islamic Jamaat Islamiyah groups evolve out of Salafi groups. But Salafism is fundamentalism. It doesn't have to always be militancy. So they decided to shut down mosques that were Salafi. And basically that was their method of dealing with radical Islam. And it pushed it underground. And I will tell you that pushing Islamic indoctrination underground will actually fuel it. Ask the Egyptians. The Muslim Brotherhood won an election after 60 years of dictators pushing it underground. Not because it's inherent in Islam, but because the victimization mindset, because the martyrdom status of the Brotherhood gave them credibility. And if you take away that credibility, you can ultimately... If you take away that credibility, you can ultimately begin to defeat the ideas of Islamism. Though what the Chinese are doing is inhuman. It is not only un-American and, and, and needs to be exposed, needs to be stopped. But just as I talked to you last segment about Idlib and what's happening there, the West can show that we're not just about our economic interests. We're not just about our own security. We are about standing as the leaders of the free world, not to send our troops, but to at least expose evil where it's being done. I believe that's the moral thing to do. Look at what's happening in China. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. Breaching the fault lines of today. This is... Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. The Glenn Beck Program. If we cannot come to a place to where we can say, well, we see the world radically differently, but you're still my neighbor. If we cannot come to that place, the only thing left is to silence one another. Remember, first you suggest, you nudge, then you shove, then you shoot. We are well into the shove category. I will shove your voice towards mine or out of the public square. The Glenn Beck Program. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This. A lot to talk about left here. We only have two segments left, so let's get right to it. First, I want to talk to you about elections. What do I mean by elections? Well, every year the Muslim community during the election cycle becomes a ping pong ball between the left and the right. What do I mean by a ping pong ball? Well, I mean basically that they become the issue of, on the left, identity politic. We are the party of Muslims. We are the party of minorities. We are not the party of bigots, of, of Islamophobes. Uh, we are the ones who will protect Muslims from the, from the racism and bigotry, the tiki torch carrying right. That's their identity politics on the left. On the right, we are the party that protects you from radical Islamists, from, from the terrorism threat, from the security issue, and it's the securitization of Muslims, if you will. Now, I see that that aspect a little less harmful than the left, since the left generalizes. And yes, there may be some generalizations coming from the right. But at the end of the day, it's about neither. It's really about neither. What should it, what really should it be about? In this political season, I would tell my Muslim brothers and sisters that, you know, what is the role our religion will play in this election? Well, 
you know, I think truly conservatives and the right are trying to get past that oversimplification. The left, with its red-green axis, as, as the left becomes more socialist, more democratic socialist, if you will, there's always been this red-green axis between the Islamist collectivists and the collectivists and the Democrats who say that, well, we'll work with Muslim Islamists because... They collectivize and they'll work with us with socialist governments. And yes, that's true. The Islamists in the Middle East, the Erdogans of the world are fascist socialists. They certainly are. And they love collectivizing us and the left as a grievance group. But then at the end of the day, I find that bigoted. And I find it simply a political prop used to exploit Muslims. And I think as we enter the elections, we need to look at what is best for our faith community. I'm not going to allow, I have my own opinions, as you know, I'm a conservative, so I have my reasons, and some of that's tied to my faith, so I can give you the conservative pitch as to why I, as a Muslim, believe in my values, uh, free speech, uh, as I believe in low taxation, uh, the, the limitation of any size or or encroachment of government into my privacy, into my wallet, into my business. On and on, I can connect that to my faith. But every person connects it to some faith, no faith, whatever it might be. And I don't want to violate the core principle of this program, which is the need for Muslims to separate mosque and state. So I'm sure respected Muslim Democrats on the left can find religious reasons why they would support Democrats and find their own interpretations of Islam to support that. That is real diversity. So I would ask you, as Muslims who are listening to this and others as they approach the election, vote for the candidates who believe when they talk about Muslim diversity are talking political diversity, are talking ideological diversity, not ethnic racial diversity or racializing Islam. Islam is an idea. Being Muslim is adhering to a certain ideology ideology of your faith of Islam. So I think personally, and, and I'm saying this as a conservative, I think they have a huge advantage when it comes to embracing diversity of thought among Muslims community because because we have begun the process on the right of of navigating why Sharia is the root cause of radicalization and separatism. The interpretation of Sharia of the radical Islamists on the Sunni and the Shia side, the Khomeinists on the Shia and the Wahhabis and Ikhwanis, the Muslim Brotherhood on the Sunni side. That Islamism, that political Islamic construct of Islamic governance is the problem. So if you believe in a diversity, then these are the candidates I think they should support. If you believe... If you see candidates, if you see the political times in which Muslims are looked upon as a prop, as a as a generalization, and not as an asset, as part of the solution, then I think that's a problem, regardless of the party. This is a key election. We saw things like the Muslim ban that was called was neither a Muslim nor a ban of Muslims. It was about certain countries. And in the last segment, I'm going to talk to you about how I don't think it... Uh, even in, in the countries in which it was banning, it really didn't end up preventing them from getting here. We'll talk about why. So I think this is key 
as we approach the election process is diversity is a value that is very American. We gave diversity visas for people to come here because we wanted a more heterogeneous America rather than homogeneous one, which is an interesting value that I think is important to have, but it shouldn't be based only on ethnic diversity, but heterogeneous as far as ideas, as far as uh, creativity, individuality. I remember on my Navy ship, the USS El Paso, uh, some of my closest friends were, uh, the, the supply officer was Mormon, the deck officer was Jewish, the uh, CO was Catholic, the XO was Protestant, the information officer was Vietnamese, cryptographer was African-American, on and on. The diversity was unbelievable. These included ideological diversity and racial and ethnic diversity of all different kinds. We had varying ideas, but we all swore to protect the U.S. Constitution and protect each other and protect our citizens as we served in Somalia, as we served in deployment in our missions. Next, I wanted to give you a little update before this segment's over about the New Mexico bizarre happenings in New Mexico. Every week I seem to have an update on this, and uh, this week is no different. No different at all. What's going on there? Well, the defense asked for a hearing. And the judge talked about the fact that he was very disappointed that the prosecution is being caught in this complete failure. Remember, New Mexico was a compound of radical Muslims run by a lead guy called Siraj Wahaj Jr. Dead baby was found on the grounds. They were planning now not only to, to, to teach use of weapons and attack of schools, but now there was also information that were plotting to attack a hospital in Atlanta and multiple other attacks. And again, the father of the ringleader, Siraj Wahaj Sr., who may have also been the one to, to, to help the FBI locate them, most of whom were his family members. But I've talked to you before about how high up in Islamic organizations this guy goes in the United States, being very connected, Siraj Wahaj Sr., to speaking circuit and fundraising for the Council on American Islamic Relations for the Islamic Society of North America, and how I talked about in my book how separatist he was in seeking to make America into a country whose constitution was the Quran. Yes, he's that seditious. Now, is he violent? There's no evidence that he's ever been violent, and he probably led the FBI to find his kids that he had lost as they went to become radical ISIS-like advocates and terrorists. But now, this week, they were released. Three of the five were released because of a 10-day rule. A 10-day rule. Two of them were not some of them because of immigration violations. But at the end of the day, the sheriff filed the charges as a procedural error and advised clients not to enter a plea on the new charges. There were new charges filed, 
but still they had to be released because of a 10-day rule. And it had to do with a rule in which when somebody is arrested, there is a time limit in which they have to have the charges presented to the court. It was what they are and what the exact charge is going to be. And the state did not meet that. The state did not meet that. So the judge even said in the proceedings that a law back in 1924 said that the criminal complaint filed by the sheriff isn't allowed and of some concern. He was asking the attorneys to make arguments for remedy for this procedural misstep. The judge talked about exceptional circumstances that would allow the 10-day rule to be broken. Remember, these guys were arrested on August 5th. And since then, the grounds has been tilled. Can you tell me why? I mean, I can't even begin to tell you the amount of prosecutorial missteps that happened in this thing. And the judge said the only thing that would allow that 10-day rule to be broken is death of the judge, severe illness, and things that just have not happened in this case. I mean, take a look at what's online. It is horrific. Fox News and others are reporting about the fact that three of the five were being released. I hope they come back with better charges. These guys now, as Ryan Morrow was talking about on Fox from the Clarion Intelligence Network, he was talking about how they now have more. What do they have to lose? They're going to be facing, if the charges are done correct, life in prison. What do they have to lose to become extraordinarily militant? And how much time... And people are, is our bureau going to put on, on monitoring these people? It is absurd. It is absurd that the process in which we have to keep our citizens safe is subject to such incompetence. And it sort of goes to show you that our whack-a-mole program has, by the grace of God, been keeping us safe. And we haven't even addressed the core problem, the ideology, the separatism of the Saraj Wahaj seniors of the world. That's the gateway drug to radicalized cells like this. And the cells themselves are getting out. And the ISIS terrorists of the world are laughing at our system of governance. And by the way, I'll leave you with this thought on this segment. Have you heard anything from the Council on American Islamic Relations, from the Muslim Public Affairs Council, from the Islamic Center of North America, the Islamist alphabet soup, anything saying that they are horrified that these people were released, that they should not have been released? Where is the law and order Islamists even? Where are they? They seem to be all over the fact, quiet and silent about radical Islamists being released. They're probably cheering because Siraj Wahaj's family has paid enough. They have suffered enough with this. The horror of their own internal. Forget the fact of the hospital that was going to be bombed. Forget the fact of the schools that were going to get shot up. Forget the three-year-old that's buried. That pain enough of them dealing with it is enough. They don't need law and order to tell them how to suffer. I'm being sarcastic here. That's the message the Islamists are sending. Mosques are not talking about this. They should be. All the while, the American legal system in New Mexico 
has rules and other things and prosecutors that didn't know how to stay within them that have flubbed the case of terror proportions. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. The Blaze Radio Network. Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to the last segment this week of Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. Two more issues to talk about this week before I leave you for the program. And you remember I'm from Wisconsin. I talked to you about that, I think, a few years ago. And I grew up in a small town, Nina, Wisconsin. Well, to the west in the middle of the state is a small town called Ripon. Ripon, Wisconsin has the fame nationally of being the birthplace of the Republican Party, the grand old party, the GOP. So where is it now? Wisconsin, sometimes a blue state, sometimes a red state. Uh, But at the end of the day, the party itself is believed to have had its birthplace at a schoolhouse in Ripon. So a story came out this week. Now the Ripon College folks, uh, uh, true to form, are denying that it's true, are saying that Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, and others are exaggerating it. I don't think they are. Came initially from the Young Americans uh, Foundation. And the Rip and YAF chapter, Spencer Brown, the head of it, reported on his website that his Never Forget project, as part of the Never Forget project of 9-11, that last year, in 9-11-2017, the project's posters were creating, were thought by Ripon College leadership to create an environment where students from a Muslim background would feel singled out or harassed. And they had asked that they not post those flyers. Now, the YF claims that they weren't allowed to post them. The Ripon College folks on Twitter responded and said that's just not true. They were allowed, but they asked to have a conversation with the university about it. And if you look at the poster, it shows... The 9-11 tower attacks, the beheading that happened at the time with folks that are obvious terrorists doing what they do in acts that appear to be Al-Qaeda and ISIS with the USS Cole attacked and dates under it all the way from 2002 all the way to Orlando in 2006-12-2016. The school's bias protocol board, boy, does that sound Orwellian, failed to provide anything more than the usual bizarre excuses that rely on feelings rather than facts to back up their censorship. That's according to Brown. So the administrators reminded the students that the college is a private institution and they can decide what it feels appropriate for display on campus and what is not. And... Ultimately, there's nothing that this poster adds to the conversation about 9-11 or about the politics of terrorism. And they said that ultimately, some things don't have anything to do with 9-11. ISIS, for example, sort of one administrator, I'm not sure I think the Iranian hostage issue was Islamic terrorism, said another. On and on. So, I have to tell you, there's a lot to talk about and unpack in this thing. 
the whole campus free speech issue, and then the college's denial. The one thing I want you to get out of it for me, I think it is the summit of bigotry to say that showing radical Islamists committing acts of heinous terror should somehow offend Muslims. How does that offend Muslims? Is that our religion? That's not our religion. Those are radical wackos. Those are byproducts of a specific ideology that needs reform. So when you say that it's going to offend Muslims, it is actually implying that somehow we are connected to that. And there is, I believe, as you know, I do take responsibility that many of us Muslims need to wake up and begin the reform process in countering these ideas. But you don't do that by shielding the fact that America was forced into a war in 9-11 in which Al-Qaeda attacked us and more Americans died on our soil than had ever been attacked since World War II. And this attempt to disconnect it and talk about hurt feelings and victimization actually coddles Muslims to the point of A, not doing what we need to do, but B, feeding into the narrative that a modern 21st century Islam is connected to radical Islam. When in fact, Muslims should be making posters like this, saying that we Muslims, American Muslims against ISIS with the poster, American Muslims against Al-Qaeda, American Muslims against Islamism and the root cause. It's like saying mothers against drunk driving. If you are against drunk driving, does that mean you offend drivers? All drivers? Are you kidding me? The analogies go on and on. Ripon College will try to deny that they suppressed this conversation. But at the end of the day, another teaching moment for the rest of us. Stop coddling Muslims and help us to... to stimulate Muslim leaders who are willing to take responsibility for reform and call out those who are feeding the enabling ideology of political nonviolent Islamism that is the root cause. It's separatism, it's anti-Semitism, it's homophobia that is the root cause of radicalization. Last story I wanted to talk to you about is how Iranians are, you know, there's a ban supposedly on Muslims coming or anyone coming from Iran. But now it turns out they're paying big money to buy passports in neighboring countries through bribery, fraudulent fraudulent information to evade U.S. sanctions and the Trump administration's travel ban on Iran and six other nations. Reporters have unroofed. Fox News and others have reported that the Iranians are getting passports from a number of nations. Iran's influence with some elements of the Iraqi government is now so prominent the issuing of passports through payoffs and corruption has become a growing concern. So, again, you get it from another country, the vetting process changes, and it's difficult to control. So all I can tell you is, if you're going to have a policy that secures us, it's not only about countries. This is why I never really even even bought into the conversation that banning from certain countries, every president from every party has done it based on war-torn areas that we're trying, or that countries that are anarchical that we can't trust like Yemen, etc. But at the end of the day, 
we have to vet against ideologies, whether they're coming from Paris, France, like the ISIS folks there, or Syria or Iraq. It has to be against an ideology because they will find ways to bypass our rules, to bypass the mechanism of immigration. And unless we have a vetting process that looks at the ideas of the way they view the state, the way they view Islam, yeah, religious theopolitical ideology is relevant when you come here because if you don't believe in a secular liberal democracy, then go to Saudi Arabia, go to Pakistan, go to an Islamic Republic. Don't come to the United States of America. And we should have a method of countering that. So uh, this report on Iranians bypassing passport rules in order to come here because of corruption, the corruption is not a surprise. The bypassing is not a surprise. And we're still not talking about the need to vet against Islamist ideology. Will it be possible? I do think so, for the most part. We're going to miss many who figure out how to scam the system and lie. But for the most part, if you know what you're asking and how to pose the question, it's not just what terror groups they belong to. It's whether they believe in a, in, in a global view, a world view that's Islamist or based in democracy and freedom. As always, God bless you. Stay strong. This is your faithful American Muslim patriot on Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. The Blaze Radio Network.